We have been in a, a series, the Christmas series, called Pondering. And the reason we've done that, it's kind of come from the, the scripture in Luke. In Luke chapter 2, which says this, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. She is um, in this beautiful time, the very first Christmas, and there's lots that's taking place. The shepherds, they come to see um, baby Jesus, and then they can't contain themselves, and they go out, and they want to get the rest of the world to come see him. And, and yet Mary, amidst this, this um, busy season, she stills her heart. She treasures up these things in her heart, and she ponders them. And this is a, a lost art in a culture that we live in today. We live in a culture today that doesn't really know how to slow itself down. I'm guessing some of you know what that means. I was just talking with um, one of, one of our, our dear congregants who works for UPS. I won't name his name, but I mean, he's going to be through Christmas Eve because of his work schedule. That was water. There's electricity up here, so I don't want to get electrocuted. Um, all right. So anyway, busy, busy season and time, and yet it's so important to slow down. When, when I first went into ministry, um, one of the things I found out very quickly was I love to do memorial services. That was one of the things I was scared about when I thought about full-time senior pastor type ministry was having to do having to do memorial services but it's become my very favorite thing to do and the reason why is because of the truth of this verse is actually not proverbs 4 6 it's ecclesiastes 7 2 but it says this it says it's better to go into a house of mourning than it is to a house of feasting for at the at the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart and what that is saying is that when we come to when we come to the end of life we really tend to think more seriously about what's important, about the things that matter. And, and that's what we're focusing on as we come into this Christmas season, this season of pondering, being able to slow down, ponder in our hearts the beauty of the message of Jesus this Christmas season. So with that, let's pray and we will, we will jump right in. We're going to be um, in the book of Hebrews Hebrews chapter 1, so you can turn there as we, we begin. But Father, we just thank you again for this morning. We thank you for every person that you've brought here uh, by, by your means of grace and your love and your sovereign hand. We, we thank you for the, the peace that surpasses all understanding as we look to you with, with all needs. And there are many needs this time of, this time of year many needs that we are very acutely aware of. So Father, we just thank you for this, this gift it is that we have to open the word that you've given to us, um, your written word spoken to our hearts. Give us soft, teachable, moldable hearts, and may we, we go away here with, with the message that really has the power to change every aspect of every one of our lives. And we pray this in the powerful name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. As a young youth pastor, Julie and I would do youth camps. Maybe some of you are familiar with the, the place we would do these. It's the Dunes Bible Camp up in Long Beach, Washington. And uh, at these camps, um, we would come together with a bunch of staff, and then all the churches from the area would send kids. There's about 200 or so middle school kids that would come and um, torture us for a week's time during the course of the summer. And one of my friends who was on the youth staff 
invited his, his, his older brother who was home for the summer for, for, from college, as well as his parents. So he, he kind of was having this mini, it's the only chance he was going to see his brother in a long time. And, and um, as, as they came to this, this youth camp, it, it was interesting because his older brother was deaf. And I had never had an opportunity to spend a, a long period of time around someone that was hearing impaired. And, and so it was interesting watching the family communicate with one another. Very interesting. My own kids, who we had there at the time, we only had two of three that were in existence. My, my, my oldest son was three years old at the time, and my, my middle daughter was three weeks old at a time. We were away at this camp, and I can't remember if I've told this part of the story before, but we had to sleep on the floor of this cabin that was rat-infested with a three-week-old baby and my, my, my precious sweet wife, who was, you know, just had a baby three weeks earlier at this weird spot with rats all over the place. And um, she is a saint, put it that way. That's what youth pastors' wives have to put up with. But anyway, that's totally off the subject. But um, here we are, we're at, this, we're at this, this, this camp, and I've got my young kids, and I'm watching, um, I'm watching um, Steve and his family communicate with one another, and it was just fascinating, because really, as, as I sat back and watched, other than the fact that they were using their hands to communicate, they were able to experience one another's um, conversation just like any, any of the rest of us would, but we get to use words. But having my young family there, especially just gone through the experience of having a new daughter uh, and, and, and having that experience, it, it was really powerful and it impacted me that if, if, um, if my kids were hearing impaired, I would do absolutely anything I could possibly do to let them know just how much I love them. We want our kids to know how much they're loved. We want our kids to know how valuable they are to us. And so as I watched Steve and his, his brother communicate and his parents communicate, it was just almost like this little living parable. Um, I thought about my own family, but it's also this living parable because I think about God's relationship with us and how God would do virtually anything in order to reach or to communicate with us, his kids. That's what he would do. And yet, in spite of all of that, here we are, especially this time of year. It's a busy time of year. We've got things going on. We're living our lives. We tend to pursue our own agendas, our own, our own ways. And it's oftentimes the fact that we're deaf to God's voice in our lives, especially this time of year. We, we can tend to rarely hear what he's actually trying to say to us through this season, the miracle of this season of time. And so with that, you would think, well, maybe God would get frustrated and give up, but no, he doesn't. He continues. Like a loving parent, he continues to speak his message to his children. And so we look today at pondering the message, pondering the message of, of Christmas. And we have a passage here in Hebrews that speaks so well to how God speaks to us and humanity. And so we'll look at this in Hebrews chapter 1. It says this. We'll read verses 1 and 2 to start out with. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Here he is. God sends Jesus 
to communicate to us the meaning of this message that we're called to ponder this Christmas season. And not only the Christmas season, but that's the miracle. And just like God spoke back then, he's speaking again today. And so as we look here, there's, there's a number of ways we can see how God speaks through this passage. He speaks through history. That's what he does. He speaks to his children. He speaks to the world through history. He's revealing himself through history. He wants us to know him. He wants us to walk with him, to love him, to draw near to him. And he speaks to us. He speaks to us in many different ways through history, through creation, through the sunrise, through the sunset, through, through all that we see around us. He speaks to us. It's called general revelation. But he also speaks to us through his word, that living the living word of God, which is a history record to us. But if we look at the Old Testament specifically and how God spoke, think about it like this. These are just some characters in which he spoke to. God spoke to Moses in a burning bush. He spoke to the Israelites from the smoke and the fire on the mountain. He spoke to Elijah in a still and small voice. He spoke to Isaiah in a vision in the temple. God spoke to Hosea through his family circumstances, and he spoke to Amos through a summer basket of fruit. He spoke to Jeremiah through the potter's clay. He spoke to Joseph through dreams. And for those of us that um, are wondering, will he speak to us? He even spoke through a donkey. Uh, God is speaking. He's speaking his message. And he's speaking this message in all kinds of different ways. Visions, dreams, manifestations, symbols, natural events, um, all of these different ways he's speaking. There's really no lack of variety to the way that God speaks. And I think this is as important as his children. What we need to recognize is oftentimes, for those of us that have walked with the Lord for any length of time, there's particular moments in our lives where we, probably because we've been able to clear out the noise or because we've gone through a really hard circumstance, whatever the case might be, we know very specifically that God has been drawing near. He's been speaking to our hearts in a specific way. And the temptation for us that go through these experiences is that we remember God speaking to us in these old ways, and then we look for him to speak exactly the same way in the future. So we try to recreate the circumstance or the events in which he spoke in the past today. But that's not how a relationship works. It doesn't work in a formulaic fashion like that because God wants us to, to, to walk with him and to commune with him in, in all kinds of different ways. And so we are to keep our, our, our eyes, our ears, our hearts open, not just looking for the way he spoke in the past, but how might he be speaking to us today? So he's been speaking through history in all of these different varieties of ways, all of these different means. He's been making himself known, which is a just again, just a beautiful, beautiful picture. Now, however, prior to Christ coming on the scene, at the end of our Old Testament Bibles in the book of Malachi, there was a silence that began. And that silence where God no longer spoke was one that lasted an entirety of 400 years. So from the end of the Old Testament to the, the time in which John the Baptist came onto the scene, we had not had any, any words or spoken language or record of, of God speaking in any way that was there. But God's revelations within the Old Testament were very unique because in many cases they came in fragments, although those fragments were a foreshadowing of the whole, the picture that was to come in the future. And and so we have these fragments, and unfortunately, because no single one of them contained the entire truth, they, they struggled, they didn't capture the entire picture of God's character. But in 
it, despite all that, God still was speaking. He was still speaking um, his message to his people. The sad thing is they just didn't understand. They didn't hear. They didn't get. They didn't capture. They didn't grab onto the message of God's heart that he was conveying back in the Old Testament, and they rebelled in many different ways. They just simply didn't understand God's plan. Too many of them claimed to be speaking for God in some senses, and yet they completely misrepresented God. Some of the false prophets of those days, which led people to be distracted and discouraged and did not have the full picture of what was going on. So we see, though, that God speaks. He speaks to his, his people through history. He speaks to us through history. The question that we have to ask ourselves as you're sitting here today and as I'm here, the question we have to ask, God is speaking. He is speaking. He's speaking through history. He's speaking through his living word. The real question is, are you listening to him? Are you listening to him? He's speaking. Are we listening? So we see here, God spoke through history. But that wasn't it. That wasn't the only way in which he spoke, thankfully. Scripture teaches that he also speaks through Christ. He speaks through Christ. He sent his son Jesus Christ, as the, the all-sufficient, perfect sacrifice, the one that took the burden of us having to be good people off of ourselves, having to live according to the Old Testament legalistic law, he took the burden of that, which the whole purpose of the Old Testament law was to let us know that we could not earn our way to God. There was nothing we could do to satisfy God with our good behavior. Um, but Christ came on instead, and for those that place their faith in Christ, the, the shed blood of Christ covers them from all of their sin. And when God then looks at us, those who have placed their faith in Christ, he doesn't see our filthy rags of attempted good works. He sees the perfect work of Christ, which is reason for celebration, which is excitement, which is joy. Uh, because, you see, Jesus, he comes on the scene and, and, and God speaks through him and Jesus himself is speaking words. But what we have to understand is that Jesus isn't just speaking good words, speaking a good message, Jesus himself, actually, he is the embodiment of the message. He is the message. He has been what the Old Testament has been pointing to this whole time, pointing to, to Christ. And so we come to verse 3. It says it here, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. John's gospel says that Jesus was the word and the word became flesh and he lived and he dwelt among, he hung out with us. What this is saying is that if you really want to know God, if you want to know who God is, what God looks like, you have to look no further than Jesus. Jesus is walking along with Philip and Philip asks this question and asks the question about what is, show us the Father. And then Jesus says this. He says, have I been among you all this time without you even knowing me, Philip? This one who has seen, the one who has seen me has seen the Father. The one who has seen me, Philip, has seen the Father. And then he later or earlier declared this. He said that I and the Father are one. I and the Father are one. When we see Jesus, what we see is the image of the invisible God, the God of perfection, the God who created all things, the God who loves, the God who 
speaks, the God who always shows up on time. So I was thinking about this, this message, the big picture of this message. I was thinking, you know, the people in my life, I've had people in my life that I've wanted to be able to reach, um, and I'm not able to do it. So I think back in the middle school, I had my best friend, and my best friend and I, we, we, we met in, in YCM basketball, we went through life, and, and um, he started to make some choices that were definitely trending in a, in a, in a wrong direction. And, and I can remember meeting with him and trying to, trying to, to speak truth into his life and to, to reach him with, with anything that I had, with any words that I had, but it didn't end up working, and, and now he sits in a jail cell. Some many years later, middle school was a long time ago. Uh, I remember as, as, a, as a, a young dad, you know, with young kids, trying to communicate parental type of information. And, and um, I oftentimes, and I don't know if you're like this as a parent, but I try to speak parent adult language to a toddler, and it just doesn't quite work like that. You try to speak in, in words, but it's not in their language. Or there might just be a spirit of rebellion. I don't know which one. Maybe a little bit of both of those things. As, as, as a youth pastor, I coached golf at the high school. And um, almost every single one of those golfers, those high school guys, were, were far better than me, but I could go out and normally I could beat them. And it wasn't because they, I had more skill than them. I actually had much less skill. They were much better golfers physically. They just had not yet learned the mental game, right? A golf, because any of you who play golf, you know that golf is way more mental than it is physical. And so we had one guy that was the number one golfer, and this guy I had no skill compared to. He could hit, he was like John Daly, he could hit the ball a country mile, and, and he scored um, oftentimes in, negative, in the negative strokes. And, and, um, but he had this temper, and as soon as he hit one ball, not exactly the way he wanted, he would, he would get angry and throw his clubs. And I, I, as much as I try, I'm thinking, man, if this, if this kid can just kind of grasp the mental game, boy, he would make such a huge difference in, in life. And yet he, he, I don't know, I don't know, I stay in touch with him. But anyway, I don't know how that turned out. And, and I'm walking through this process as I'm thinking about this sermon. I'm thinking of the people I've tried to reach through the years that I haven't been able to reach and just how frustrating that is. And, and, um, and I was, so I was bumping these ideas off of one of my mentors like I do with a lot of sermons. And and, um, and, and he said, well, Bill, did you think about the other side of the coin? Have there been people in your life, Bill, that have been trying to reach you, that, um, that you haven't been hearing the message that they've been trying to say? And I wanted to say some smart aleck remark because that wasn't the question I was asking him. And, and, uh, and so I said, well, I'm sure my parents, and, and, uh, but I can't really think of many, other, maybe my wife from time to time. Um, but no, I think I'm a pretty good listener. And, and he, like a good mentor, says, well, there's a few things I've been trying to say to you for a long time, and you haven't been listening. What a meanie, right? Yeah, ouch. And so he ended up sharing one of those because he didn't think I could handle hearing the other one. But he shared one, and I thought, really? You've been saying that to me all this time? Um, I don't think you're right. No, I didn't tell him that. <laughs> but it's true. There's, there's people in our lives that we're trying to reach. But boy, how important is it for us to be open um, not just to the people in our lives that are trying to speak to us, but more importantly, open to a God who is always speaking. He's always speaking through history. He's speaking to us through the revealed word. He's speaking through the life that his son has lived and is living. He's speaking through his Holy Spirit as being known in other people in our lives. But it kind of brings us back to that same question. God is speaking, 
But are you listening? Are you listening? A good question to possibly ask is, if I had to take a guess, if I had to take a guess of what God might want me to hear, a message that he might want me to, to listen to and apply to my life, what would that be? It might be a good question for you as you ponder this season, ponder the message of Christmas to, to ask, is there anything that, that God needs to, to get through my thick skull, through the, the stoniness of my heart, to soften, to make it a fleshly heart? Is there any messages that's there? The encouraging thing is that God does speak. He speaks through history. He speaks through Christ. Um, and he does this not so that we can go away as the same person. He does this so that we can transform, so that we can become a new person. The, the miracle of the message of Christmas, the, the message that we're to ponder, is not just the fact that he speaks to us today through his son, um, it's that this message through his son has the power to transform the life in which we live, the relationships in which we walk in. Christmas is the celebration, truly, of the greatest message that has ever been proclaimed, and that is Emmanuel, that God is with us. This isn't a, a distant concept. It's not something we have to wonder about. God is with us. God came down. If there's anything to pause and to ponder and to let percolate, saturate your life, it's that the God who created all that we know came down to dwell among us. And he did it through the beautiful, perfect picture of a sinless son who was born humbly in a manger in an obscure little place an obscure little humble place. And why did he do it? He did it because he came for us. First Timothy says, Jesus gave his life as a ransom for all. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came as a humble child. He came as a humble child so that he could live this perfect life and be a ransom for all. He could remove the, the, the stain of sin, uh, the stain of guilt. He could remove all of the the efforting on our parts to be good enough for God, and by his grace, he is a ransom for all. This is the miracle of the message that God, through his son Jesus, is reconciling the entire world to himself. The entire world is conditioned upon those who believe in him, who put their faith in him. Jesus came so God could reveal himself, so God could reveal his ways, his plan, his heart, so that we could understand him. And why would he do that? We already know, right? We know why he would do that. He would do that because he wanted us to know how very much he wanted to be in relationship with us. He wanted to come in and guide and transform and change our hearts. For many of us, for many of us, the, the message that we hear, the message that we hear, the message that we hear proclaimed aren't messages that, that unleash us. They aren't messages that set us free. They're messages instead that tend to bind us further. They tend to make us more busy. They tend to stick us in a place of arrogance or a place of pride or a, a place of, of anxiety or a place of, of regret or to become prisoners of guilt, prisoners of shame. That's not the, 
message that God came for, to communicate to us, but it's the message that we get from the world around us. For you, some of you this past year, some of you have received some messages, I'm sure, that are messages like I just mentioned. Maybe they're messages from a doctor who has given you a prognosis that is scary. Um, maybe it is a message from a wayward child that is indicating the fact that they aren't walking in the steps that you wanted them to walk. Or maybe it's from a spouse that says, I no longer love you. We get all kinds of messages that bring about a great deal of pain, a great deal of discouragement. Um, but in the midst of this, in the midst of all of these other messages that we all receive, because we all live in a culture that more and more trends away from the, the love of Christ, I want us to remember, more importantly, remember more importantly the message of this season of time. This message says, in the midst of all other things, in the midst of all of the pain, in the midst of all of the confusion, in the midst of all of the busyness, remember that nothing whatsoever, according to Romans 8, 31, nothing whatsoever can separate you from my love. He speaks the message for those that are struggling with direction, trust. Trust in me with all your heart. Don't trust in your own self. Listen to a comedian who thought he was being funny, talking um, disparagingly about those that would be where we're at today, coming together to worship together. And, and he basically talked about the weak-mindedness of people that need religion. And maybe that's the case, but I will follow somebody and um, his point was he follows himself. He doesn't need anybody else to tell him. He's going to pull himself up by his bootstraps. He's going to be the Lord of his own life. Well, we'll see how that works for him. I know it doesn't work for me. I need a God that will direct my steps. I need a God who I can look to every single day to give me direction and hope and, and, and oftentimes in the moments of each day. That's the God that I need to trust in. He speaks in the midst of life's betrayals and bitter messages that the bitterness and the anger that you feel towards others, you are to, according to Matthew 18, you're to forgive those who have caused those emotions in you. You're to forgive those who have mistreated you. You're to forgive those who don't deserve your forgiveness because that's what I've done for you. You've done nothing deserving of the love and forgiveness, and that's what a good parent does. A good parent loves despite the behavior. In the midst of life's messages of joy and celebration, the message he sends with us is rejoice, be exceedingly glad. There are so many powerful messages. All the messages I just read came directly from the word in which he speaks to us. A word from history, a word from the message of Christ, and obviously a living word from his spirit living itself out through his word, the Bible, to us. This is the miracle of Christmas. This is a miracle for us, the miracle of the message of Christ. That is why we are here. That's why we celebrate every week together, and hopefully why we gather in our growth groups, and hopefully why we have our Bible studies, and hopefully why when we come into those difficult encounters with people that are difficult in our lives, we remember the message. We remember the, the calling that we are to not be taken up and to apply the, 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 the principles of our world, but instead apply the beauty of the message of the cross to those in our lives. So um, I've got a new question for you. Are you 
The question is this, are you listening? Are you listening? Not to me. Are you listening to the message that the Lord is speaking? A message that began in a stable, actually a message that began in a garden, but one that was brought again to us in in a humble stable where a humble child came, born of a virgin. Are you listening to that message? My challenge to you is to believe that message that God's speaking. If you do this, your life will never change. There's a real popular saying that's going around. People inside and outside the church say it all the time now. I'm living my best life. I'm living my best life. It's a, it's a catchy little catchphrase, and it's a way of saying, you know what, I'm doing my best, and that's a great thing. But truly, if you want to live your best life, if you want to live your best life, then you live out the best message, that you place your faith in a Savior who came for you, not just people of old, not just people of tomorrow, not just for the, the people in your life that think are deserving of the message. No, he came for you, despite. Remember last week, Romans 5, 6, It said, at just the right time, Christ came. At just the right time. This may be your time today. At just the right time to place your faith in Christ and to let go of the filthy rags of our efforts and our attempts to be good enough for God. We don't have to be. Christ is. And praise his name for that. That's encouraging. I would like to ask you, uh, in closing, for the closing benediction, if you would stand. I want to read the words from the song that Noah picked out, great song that Noah picked out to end our service. Maybe it's not a traditional Christmas song, but hopefully what you've heard from the message today is that most songs are Christmas songs, that they're proclaiming the message. They just not be, may not have the the Christmas theme to them. But let me read. Uh-oh. Let me read the, the lyrics to this song. Uh, first line says, Who am I that the highest king would welcome me? I was lost, but he brought me in. Oh, his love for me. Luke 19.10. The chorus says, Who the Son has set free, oh, is free indeed. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. That's John chapter 8, verse 36. Verse 2 says, free at last. He's ransomed me. His grace, it runs deep. That's 1 Timothy 2.6. While I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me. Romans 5.6, John 3.16. In my Father's house, there is a place for me. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. John chapter 14. The bridge says, I am chosen. I'm not forsaken. I am who you say I am. That's Psalms 94, 14 and dozens of other passages. You are for me. You are not against me. I am who you say I am. That's Romans 8, chapters 31, or chapter 8, verses 31 through 39. I am who you say I am. The, the truth be told here this morning is if you're listening, you, you would listen to the message that he's speaking. He speaks the message through history. He speaks the message through our Savior, Jesus. He speaks the message through his word. Would you pray with me as, as we go to this final song? Heavenly Father, in this holy moment, um, you're speaking to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Thank you for speaking so powerfully, so clearly through your son, Jesus. Thank you for revealing to us the depths that you would go in order to communicate your message to us in a way that we could understand. We thank you. We love you. And we pray this in the powerful name 
of our Savior who brings the message to us beginning in this Christmas season. Amen.